a very familiar, very familiar passage of Scripture. And this morning we're going to close with a thought or a process that we conclude every Sunday morning. What do we conclude with every Sunday morning? Anybody? Yeah. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. If you've been around me very long, you will learn that I actually believe that if you think about it long enough, you'll say it. And if you say it long enough, you'll do it. And I think that applies to every single area of our life. This passage of scripture was during a time when uh, God's people were out of order. Uh, They were listening to false prophets. They're investigating their sexuality. They're investigating their drunkenness. And in this particular season, when God's people had refused to call upon God's name, God spoke to his prophet Elijah and said, go tell the king that it's not going to rain. Elijah made the prophecy to the king, and then when it did not rain, the king hated Elijah. Why do they always hate the messenger, not the message? Hate the game, don't hate the player. But uh, the king put a, uh, a, a death hit and a reward on Elijah's head. So Elijah has been hiding, and he's been hiding for almost three years. And uh, then there is a confrontation where Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to see if their God was really God and powerful, if their God could call down fire from heaven. You all know the story. They tried all morning long into the afternoon, and in their frustration, they begin to cut themselves, begin to hurt themselves and wound themselves. And we can certainly realize that we have a generation today that's very frustrated and a generation that has tapped into the cutting or tapped into hurting themselves or wounding themselves. There's nothing new under the sun. This was around about 3,000 years ago. In their frustration, because their God would not respond, their God would not answer, uh, they begin to hurt and wound themselves. And then Elijah let them do everything they wanted to do, and he made some, some unusual statements. And he actually, in one translation, he asked Baal's, the, the prophets of Baal, Perhaps your God's on the toilet. That's exactly one of the things that he said to the prophets of Baal. I thought only a man of God could have humor like that in a time like that, in a season like that, speaking it, knowing we talk about it 5,000 years later. Perhaps your, perhaps your God's in the bathroom. Well, their God obviously didn't respond. And you know the story. Elijah dug a trench around his sacrifice, and then he had them 12 times soak the, sac- the sacrifice with water. Prayed a 67-word prayer. Fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and the people in the congregation, thousands of them, acknowledged that Jehovah was God. Which brings us to 1 Kings 18, verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Elijah said to Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. We certainly know in this season how important rain was because their crops were dying, their flocks were dying, people were dying, there was no water, they were, they were literally dying of thirst. And Elijah speaks prophetically and said, I hear the sound of rain. What Elijah was saying to Ahab is that this season that 
you were in is over. We question this promise to Ahab, who was attached to a godless woman, Jezebel. Ironically, Ahab is still the king of Israel, and blessing was spoken over him before he became king. So we realize that whatever God spoke over you when you were younger, if you wandered from that or you stray from that and you can get a, attached to a Jezebel spirit in your life, God still has not forgotten the promise that he will make. He's made and he will do whatever it takes to help you fulfill that promise, that word that he has for your life. Now that's good teaching. That's if I got to clap, if I got to shout and we're going to be here twice as long. So, so if God would honor a godless king that was married to a Jezebel, a Jezebel spirit, then how much more will God's favor be upon us? And I'm here to say to some of you today, I believe your season is coming to closure, and I believe it's time you need to wash your face, you need to eat, you need to drink, you need to get ready because the man of God says it's getting ready to rain. I don't know if you know anything about lightning and thunder, but the lightning, the lightning obviously is first, and then the thunder is latter. And I heard that last night you guys had a pretty good uh, thunderstorm, lightning and, and thunder. And uh, you know that usually lightning and thunder takes place after it rains or during the time that it rains. But whatever Elijah has heard in his spirit, in his spirit he realizes in order for there to be rain, there has to be a cloud. Say that with me, a cloud. There are some things that God has promised to do that are just kind of natural promises. Things, you know, he said, if you honor me, I will honor you. You honor parents, I'll honor, I'll honor you. You tithe, I will bless you. So some natural things. But I believe that many of us have a hunger to step into the supernatural and not just hear the sound, the abundance of rain, but as Honey prayed in the circle maker, that it would rain and fill every river, every dried creek, every dried cistern, that, that, that everywhere there would be an abundance of water because we know that rain and water is a blessing. Amen? Amen. So when, when, when Elijah makes this, this eye-opening statement, hey, stop fasting, stop praying, wash your face, eat, drink, good things are going to happen. The reason Elijah was able to make this statement is we have to go to verse 40. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. A lot of stuff in such a little passage. He has just confronted 350 prophets of Baal. They have screamed, they have cut, they have, they have cut themselves, they've chanted, they've danced, they know everything they knew to do. They, their God fails them. Elijah's God is faithful and consistent. And Elijah says, take all the, look at that, somebody say all. all. Because we're going to see these prophets today as two things, wrong voices and wrong thoughts. If you don't deal with all the wrong thoughts in your life, there's a possibility you might not get a breakthrough. And I'm helping anybody in the building. There's a possibility if you don't get the right words in your mouth, you may not get a breakthrough. But Elijah said, I want you to bring all the false prophets to the, to the, to the river. And there, I guess Eli Elijah, my mind's trying to go there. I guess Elijah personally killed 350 prophets of Baal. It doesn't say how he did it, whether he stabbed them or whacked their head off or got, got some help. But nevertheless, he eliminated, are you ready? Wrong voices. Pause for effect. Whisper for impact. 
wrong voices, wrong choices. They've been listening to the prophets of Baal for years. And they submitted to the religion of Baal, which is mostly humanism. You are God. Do whatever you want to do. Sleep with whoever you want. Drink whatever you want to drink. And so Elijah goes to a great deal of trouble, obviously, to slaughter all these, all these false prophets. And, and, and they die. And the moment these voices are, are quieted and the moment this thought process is stopped, then Elijah prophesies and says, get up, eat and drink. You're going to step into a brand new season and you're going to see some promises that God has prepared for you. When I think about when I think about wrong voices, I think certainly how many things impact us almost every day, whether negative or positive. How many different elements actually speak into our life? I'm certain that many of you in the morning or in the evening, you'll watch Fox News or headline news or ABC News and you kind of get a little a little little glimpse of what's going on in the world and and then we will see some of these shows they will focus on what the president is or is not doing and then it focuses on the ISIS or it focuses on the border or focuses on Syria and uh, and 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 every every day throughout the day there are things that are implanted in you imparted to you that you take a stance or you take an attitude and lately the the stance and the attitude of the church has been there's so many things happening that it's almost impossible not to assume that we're in the last of the last days and we're getting ready to see the return of Christ. And if God allows next Sunday morning, I will be here next Sunday morning. If God allows, I want to talk a little bit about the time, the time frame that we visited Wednesday night about the events that are taking place, the events that have to take place and what's going to take place during the pre-tribulation, during the mid-tribulation, during the post-tribulation. And I really believe it'll be a blessing to you, but I think that I preached this sermon 30 years ago, but a lot of things have happened in the past 30 years that make this sermon even more valuable and even more up-to-date. Isn't that cool how God's Word does that? What seemed to be a word for yesterday can also be a word for tomorrow. So when Elijah eliminated the voices that they were listening to, they began to acknowledge that Jehovah was God, and they began to worship Jehovah. When I look at the life of Isaiah... We visited Isaiah a couple of weeks ago, and obviously Isaiah got his eyes off the things of God, got his eyes on his uncle and the wealth of his uncle. His uncle was the king, and he was a nephew of the king, and we know that uh, his, Uzziah tried to go into the Holy of Holies, and God struck him down dead, and, 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 and Isaiah got his eyes back on the things of God. But if you'll remember, when God allowed Isaiah to catch a vision of what was going on in heaven, the first thing that Isaiah acknowledged was, I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, I have not been speaking the prophecies of God. I've not been speaking the parables of God. I've not been speaking the, 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 the favor of God. But I have been distracted by the voices that are around me, and I am out of order. And then Joshua, he, he acknowledges, and the people that are around me, are, their, their words are unclean. And so he's not just in an environment where he's repeating stuff that he's heard or he's speaking things that he's seen, but he's surrounded by an influence that's influencing him to be negative, to be cri critical, and to be at a place where depression, can anybody relate? Despair, discouragement. His uncle has died. His life has no meaning. And then all of a sudden he, clutches, he catches a glimpse of God. And like that eagle that blows through the storm where the eagle last saw the sun, the sun was still there. And when Elijah broke through that, that pressure, when he broke through that, that bondage, 
God was right there where he left him, high and lifted up. His train still filled the temple. The angels still saturated the presence of God. The post of the door still moves, and the earth is still full of his glory. Regardless of what trauma or tragedy or trial, trauma, tragedy, or trial. Is there another T we can go through there? Temptation. <laughs> there you go. Regardless of what you're going through, the promises of God remain faithful, remain consistent. And in Jeremiah 29, he says, I really do have a good plan for your life. But Jeremiah 12 and 13 says, don't get distracted. You will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. And he says, I will answer when you go and pray unto me. So there, again, the past couple of weeks, we've talked about praise, worship. We've been talking about prayer and praise, trying to touch the heart of God. Just some real basic stuff. But you know what? Sometimes no matter how basic it is, sometimes it's so basic, we just ignore it and discard it and wonder why we're not getting our, our prayers answered. Well, there was a man that prayed to God. And he said, God, if you'll let me win the lottery, I'll give you 10% of the lottery. And uh, God was silent. God didn't say anything. So the next day he prayed and said, God, if you let me win the lottery, I'll give you 50% of the lottery. God was silent. didn't say a word. Third day he prays to God, if you let me win the lottery, I'll give you 90% of the winnings. And God answers and says, dear son, buy a ticket. <laughs> it's impossible to win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. And I'm not encouraging anybody to win. That's not what. But if God happens to give you the right numbers, and by all means, if, it, if it's God, the wealth of the wicked, I don't know how more effective that would be. Actually, get it and go for it. But, but if, you don't, if you don't participate in prayer, if you don't participate in sowing, if you don't participate in praising, you're probably not going to get a window open. You're probably not going to get a breakthrough. You're probably not going to see God do what God said he would do because this is the way he said to do it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall hum themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. It's our responsibility to pray for this nation. It's our responsibility to pray for this city, the eldership of this city. It's our responsibility to pray for this. It's our responsibility. And if we do what we're supposed to do, it may take 21 days. And it might take the involvement of Michael and Gabriel. But God will get involved, and God will answer prayer. When I, think about, when I think about wrong voices, wrong choices, I think about the season of Job. And if you'll go with me to Job 40, and again, I know this is a, this is a passage of Scripture that I have literally wore out, and I know you, you might get tired of hearing the ob observations of Job. Obviously, Job didn't have a Bible. Obviously, Job didn't have a pastor. Job didn't have Hillsong. Job didn't have Jimmy Swagger. Job didn't have TBN, Daystar. Job didn't have any of the Mark Batterson books. He didn't have Zig Ziglar stuff. But somehow Job had connected with God. Somehow, somewhere, in, some, in some, some vein, Job found God. Maybe it was through creation. Maybe he saw something that just overwhelmed him. Maybe, maybe he heard something, but, but he not only believed in there was a God, but prophetically he said, I know my Redeemer liveth and shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body, get in my flesh shall I see God. What a, what a revelation. Now, where, where he got it from, where, we don't know. It doesn't say. It just says that Job is upright before God. And you know the challenge. You know the storm. Satan came in. I'm going to destroy that hedge. I'm going I'm to make him curse you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we go through 39 chapters, and then in Job 41, God reveals to Job about Leviathan, the crocodile, Satan, how it was Satan trying to destroy him. And God said, if you pray for your friends, I'll turn your captivity around. Job begins to pray for his friends, and God gives him back double. But I saw something in Job 40. The first, the first 
five verses. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him, and he that reproveth God let him answer it? And God was not fussing at Job, but God was just saying to Job, You're the creation questioning the Creator. Anybody relate? You're the creation questioning the Creator. And, and so God confronts Job and says, Who are you to confront the Creator? And here's what Job said How powerful. Behold, I am vile. And what shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer gay twice, but I will proceed no further. What are you saying here, Patrick? I'm saying that when Job realizes who God is and realizes where he's at, Job realizes his mouth has been out of order. And there are several chapters where Job tries to defend himself and support himself and, and acknowledge where, where he was. But Job actually tells us to keep from running his mouth Oh, this is great. Two times he put his hand over his mouth so he would not speak. I believe some of us need to have the putting our hand over the mouth ministry. Joyce Myers has a book that says the answer to most of your challenges is right under your nose. And we know that to be not our mustache, but our mouth. The answer to most of our challenges is in the power of the tongue. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And I guess my question today is, what are you speaking? Are you speaking life? Are you speaking death? What are you speaking? If you go with me to Judges 12, and again, those of you that have been with me the past 24 years, you know this is a passage of Scripture that I, have, I try to share at least once, well, at least once a year. Are you Judges 12? Here's a pretty cool story. You know that God raised up Jephthah to destroy the enemies of God. You know that Jephthah foolishly makes a vow. The first thing that greets him when he returns from battle, he will sacrifice. And it was his daughter. I don't believe that he sacrificed her, but I believe he committed her to the ministry in, in the temple for the rest of her life. And that's what most Bible scholars believe. But Jephthah is in the process of defeating the armies of God and the, or the enemies of God, I'm sorry, and the enemies of God are going about a certain way to try to avoid being destroyed because Jephthah's on a roll. I mean, he is killing them. He is knocking them dead. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to camouflage themselves and try to creep back into the camp under camouflage by crossing a creek. So Jephthah sets a watch and says, listen, Anybody that comes to try to cross this river, tries to cross this creek, ask them, are you there with me? Yes. I think we're at verse 16. Yes. Verse 6. Thank you, Pastor Rhonda. The question was, are you Ephraim, Ephraimite? Ephraimite? Ephraim. Ephraimite. Are you a Tennessean? Are you a Kentuckian? Are you a Wisconsinian? Are you a Californian? Are you a Texan? Are you? And if they said no, which they needed to say no, because Jephthah was killing all the Ephraimites. If they said no, then Jephthah instructed the guards to ask them to say the word shibboleth. And the word shibboleth simply means a stream or a creek or, 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 or torrential downpour. Ironically, Elijah is talking about the sound of rain in order for the, these people to prove they are, are not Ephraimites. They need to say the word shibboleth. Well, the Ephraimites couldn't say the word 
shh, they couldn't, shh. Uh, I don't remember who was in our drug rehab, but he couldn't say the word shibby. Do you remember that? Chibi, 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 Drove my chibi through the levy, and the levy was dry. He could not say, he, it just, it was just, it was in his, it was in his enunciation. He could not, there were words he could not say. And we had a lot of fun when Christine was younger. There was a certain syllable she could not pronounce, and every time she said a certain syllable, it came out another way. And it was really, it was really fun. I, mean, I can't show you what that was, or she'll probably kill me. But it was a lot of times we have difficulty forming words in our mouth. Boy, that's powerful. A lot of times we have. My brother for a long time would not acknowledge his name, but when he did acknowledge his name, his name was Dimmy, Dimmy Junior. He couldn't say the J. He couldn't say Jimmy Junior. It was Dimmy Junior. Well, the the Ephraimites couldn't say Shibboleth instead of Shibboleth. It came out Sibboleth. And I thought, what a, what a lesson there. You know, as people of God, we're supposed to shh, don't, receive, don't repeat gossip, don't repeat negative, speak positive. But in the world, it's shh, 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 shh. come here. I want to, I you need to listen carefully. I, I can only tell this once. I promise not to repeat it. <laughs> I'm not going to explain my humor to you. We're not going to get out of here by, by 12. That is, that is obvious. There is a generation that does not know how to keep their mouth shut. And there's a generation that every single thing that comes out of their mouth is negative or critical or whiny or complaining. And it's not a new generation. God dealt with that in Egypt when he brought them out of Egypt. For 40 years, all they did was murmured and complain. And what is so sad, all they did before God brought them out was be a slave and be molested and murdered and manhandled, but yet when they got delivered from being a slave and God took them out into the wilderness and gave them water and gave them quail and gave them manna, gave them air conditioning, gave them heat, protected them, guided them, spoke to them, allowed his glory to be with them, all they could do was gripe about that. That was all, that's all they could do was gripe, gripe, gripe. And so God paid them back when they went into Jericho. God said, okay, for six days, I don't want you to say a word. How crazy would that be? I remember several years ago, I had some challenges with my throat. Doctor told me I would never preach again, cut some things off my throat, and told me not to talk for how long? About 10 days. And so Pastor Ron and I already booked a meeting to Orlando. We were going to Benny Hinn's church to try to get some ideas. Uh, that, at that time, the church here was rocking, and we were wanting to make sure we continued going in the direction we were going. So we went to, we went to Benny Hinn's church, and it was, a, it was a season where I couldn't talk. I had to write everything down. And uh, I, so Pastor Ron and I got in discussion, and I just got tired of talk. I just got tired of writing. I just started talking. I just started, hell, and that's our nature. That's our nature. We always want the last word. I mean, it's like, it's like it does not matter whether it's Facebook or whether it's texting or whether it's Twitter. And what is so funny, we'll, do, we'll get the last jab at fa- Facebook, and then we'll delete that person, not realizing even though we deleted, they still ran us down, and they still badmouthed us. Do I, do I have a, a, witness, a witness in the building? But sometimes, sometimes it's just better to, instead of, to, to keep your mouth shut and be thought of fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So, so when, they, when they got to cross the river, if they said, instead of, Shh, the guards killed them. That day, 42,000 of the enemy died because they could not keep their mouth shut. How crazy is that? If you go with me to, obviously, our text, Psalms 19 and 14, 
I will wind this down. Are you learning anything today? Are you learning anything today? I, um, I, received, I received this yesterday afternoon or a little later in the evening as I had some time to reflect and some time just to sit there at the airport and watch all the weirdos. There are some crazy people in this world. And if you just go to any, any, all, four, all four airports, I saw some wild, crazy, strange-looking dress. I see some tattoos. I've seen some piercing. I mean, it was like it was like crazy. It was like going to the zoo or going to the aquarium to sit there and get your latte and just just watch all the weirdos walk around. But in the midst of watching all the weirdos and all the crazies walk around, the Lord led me to Psalm 19. And most of you know the 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 last the very last verse of this passage. Uh, we honor. I actually when I was at Lee University, 30. No, yes. 33 years ago, the one week I happened to go, I noticed they would close every chapel service out with, what was it, Debbie? Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of thy sight be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And as I was looking at this passage of scripture, God showed me six things, and I just want to bring them to, to your attention, if I may. If you go with me to, to verse 7. Six things God showed me in, in, in Psalms 19. And this is probably something that uh, needs to be built upon. There's probably something that needs to be elaborated. There are obviously some illustrations and some scriptures that need to go with each one of these, these six truths. But we are focusing today upon wrong voices, wrong choices. When Joshua got ready to lead the people of Israel out of e e Egypt into the land of promise, there were a lot of, of voices affecting Joshua. There were those telling him that he wasn't as smart as Moses. There are voices that telling him, if Moses couldn't do it, what makes you think you can do it? There's voices that were telling him all the eldership, all the wisdom now is dead. It's a new generation. You can't do anything with young people. There's no telling really what kind of voices was in Joshua's ear. But in Joshua, the first chapter, in the sixth verse, God begins to speak to Joshua and says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, that's the words of my mouth, shall depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate, there's a thought process, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and shall have good success. Did I lose you? God, told, God tells Joshua, know what this book has to say, speak what this book, meditate on this book, do this book, and ironically, Joshua only had one-tenth of the Bible. Moses had written the first five books. He wrote a couple of Psalms. He wrote the book of Job. That's all that Joshua had. He didn't have any of the minor prophets. He had no Proverbs. He had no Psalms. He had no New Testament. But God told him, if you'll meditate on this, not only will you be successful, but you will be prosperous. And certainly this is a turning point in the life of Joshua where he had to decide to stop listening to, the, to all of the counsel all of the advice, all of all the chatter, all the junk going on, and he needed to find his answers in the Word of God. And as I look at this passage of Scripture, I find six things in the Word of God that I think that are important to us. And in verse 7, the, uh, the first thing I found is the law of the Lord is per perfect, converting the soul. What is that saying? What does that mean? Is that if you study the Word of God, you can find salvation for your soul redemption for your past, a new focus, a new direction, and a promise of heaven. Amen. The law of the Lord is perfect. 
The next thing I found was the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Ironically, whether you have an education or not, or whether you're educated, or whether you're smart, or whether you're, whether you're all that, a bag of chip, the Word of God says just by repeating the stories in this Bible, just by repeating the testimonies of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the great people in this book, just by, just by repeating those stories, the Bible says a simple person can be made wise. Does that bless anybody this morning? It sure blessed me. The third thing I noticed is the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. In other words, when you begin to learn what, the God, the, what God's word has to say about you, it creates an environment of joy, an environment of peace, an environment of praise, an environment of worship. We were created to praise and smile. We really were. It takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. We have learned that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You think bad stuff, you get bad stuff in your mind, get bad stuff in your spirit. The, the possibilities are you're going to speak that bad stuff, and you speak it long enough, you're going to do it. But the reverse of that, if you feel your life, if you feel your mind, I had to deal with some, some demons this week, and uh, I asked the uh, lady if she had a CD player. She said she did. I said, I want you to... She didn't know who Carrie Job was. She didn't know who Ascend the Hill was, but she knew who Hillsong was. So I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you every night before, before you go to bed, put on praise and worship and let it run all night long. Just let it run all night long. We have a lifelong friend, Pastor John, that every night when he would go to bed, he would put his, 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 his headsets on and he would go to sleep listening to a sermon. He did that for years and years and years. I don't know all that you attain when you're asleep. I don't know all that you remember when you're asleep, but, but the fact is, if, if in your subconscious, if you're putting the Word of God in there, the music of God in there, it's probably going to bless you and it's probably going to help you. But the Bible says the statues of the Lord are there that we might rejoice and be glad. Do I have a friend in the house that loves what God's promises in, in Psalms and Proverbs? Yes. The fourth thing that I learned was the, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Hypothetically, if everyone in, in, in America was to honor the Ten Commandments, do you know what there wouldn't be? Jails, prisons, cops, lawyers, divorce, murder, mayhem, drugs, alcohol, speeding fines. Hello? There's a reason why the law says it's 70. There's a reason why the law says do not enter in a one way. There's a reason why the law says do not touch the red hot stove. There is a reason for all of that. And then as we look at the commandment of the Lord enlightening, we look at the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The word fear there in the Hebrew is respect. The respect that you have for God's word, the respect for you have God now, the Bible says you will have that respect Forever. Does that bless anybody? And then the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I mean, I mean, he is a faithful judge. He is a kind judge. He's a considered judge. And when he judges you, he judges you fair and he judges you in righteousness. When the, when the woman was caught in adultery, was thrown at the feet of Jesus, he received her exactly for who she knew what she had done. But simply when he, how he judged her, he judged her. He said, go thy way and don't do this anymore. Don't, don't, don't be a prostitute anymore. Don't, do, don't, don't go this route anymore. But he judged her. The law said kill her, 
But the judgment of God said to spare her, let her repent, let her turn her life around and get another start. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. I, made some, I, made some, I made some notes when I think about, when I think about the let the words of my mouth. And when I think about that mentally, I just think about not just the words that I speak, but the words that I think. All day long, all night long, all afternoon, no matter what happens, no matter what takes place, what is coming forth from my mouth? Is it words of encouragement or is it words of doubt or negativity or criticism? If let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in God's sight. Every thought we would ever think, every word we'd ever speak. Psalm 139 says, before when we were in our mother's womb, God knew every word we would speak and every thought that we, were, that, we was, that, that we would think. So I got to thinking about the thought process. And God gave me a few things on the thought process. It's 11 minutes to noon. We will be out of here by noon. And I'll be doing Cracker Barrel by 1230. Get ready, Bailey. We're going to go eat, darling. The first thing that I, and, and, you know, I just, this just came to me. I, I don't know, I don't know why. And this is not a very profound statement. But thoughts are real. And when you have a thought, it washes a certain part of your brain. And it sti stimulates your brain. And there is actually electrical shock, an actual like the shock of a nine volt battery, there's actually electric charge that goes through your brain that focuses on that thought and transfers it to your being. Thoughts are real. The second thing that I notice is for you to notice how negative thoughts affect you physically. Think about it. You get tense, you get irritated, you get uptight. Uh, there are some people in this city that I really feel like I have forgiven. I really do. At least I'm not asking for God to run over them with a Mack truck. So that's a start of forgiveness, right? But every once in a while, I'll run into somebody and I'll remember because when you forgive, it doesn't mean that you lose the ability to remember. It just means you lose the ability to hold it against their account. But there are people I will run into and immediately, Brenda, it's almost like I say things I shouldn't say. I get irritated. I get angry. And then if I'm not careful, I find myself getting nauseated and getting sick and start throwing. I know, I know none of you respond that way when you think bad things or say bad things. But I have learned that negative thoughts affect us physically. On the flip side, positive thoughts affect us physically. Think about, think about the good things. Think about the, the good things that have happened, the good things that are going on. And think about how it almost, it, it's almost like, it's, it's like a release of pressure. It's a release of stress. When you turn things over to God and God begins to work them out and you see them begin to work out, you go, whew, a sigh of relief. Good thoughts bring a sigh of relief and will affect you physically. The third thing, the fourth thing that I wanted to mentioned to you is that your body in one way or another reacts over every thought. There's no insignificant thought. The Bible says to bring into captivity every thought 
that does so highly exalted against the kingdom of God. The Bible says to cast that thought down, to take authority over that thought. And so I, I, made, I made this statement. Bad thoughts are like pollution. Bad thoughts are like when you think bad thoughts or you speak bad thoughts or you manifest bad thoughts, it's like pollution. It's like messing with your breathing. It's messing with your environment. It's messing with your, 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 your life. And so I came up with this thing called ants. Look at someone say ants. Automatic negative thoughts. The glass is always half empty. The light's always red. You never get the rays. Nobody likes you. You're not good enough. You're not tall enough. You're not smart enough. You're not small enough. You're not, you're, you know, it's, 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 like, it's like always there are, if you're not careful, always when something happens, automatically there's an ant on your brain. And it just automatically you have a negative thought. I know I'm not talking to anybody here. All my Facebook friends are talking about the ant ministry. I believe that you have the ability to not just confront your ant, automatic negative thought, but I believe you have the, the ability to to exterminate, there's a thought, exterminate your ant. So here, here's, here's the process. What are you thinking about? Probably what you're watching, reading, the environment, who you're hanging out with, who's talking your spirit, what are you watching on TV, what are you listening to in the headsets? What are you putting in your spirit? And if you're putting negative thoughts in your spirit, it's pollution, it's going to hurt you, it's going to damage you. Nothing good would come of that. But when you begin to declare the word of God, meditating on the things of God, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of, of, of my heart be accepted on thee. Two things happen. He becomes your Lord, hello, and your strength. My Lord, how, how cool is that? Not just saved. Jesus didn't just save me, but I chose him to be the Lord of my life. He is a lordship I submit to, I honor. He is the words I listen to. He's the songs I sing. And I try, with the exception of 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes of headline news. I can't go without headline news, a cup of coffee. With, with the exception of 15 minutes, I try all day to stay focused, stay positive, to be thinking about the things and the purpose and the plan of God. Does that help anybody in the building? Did it help you? Okay, well, there you have it. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in his sight, my strength and my redeemer. I'm going to give you a chance to sow in the kingdom. Thank you for your offerings. Thank you for your consistent support. It is a joy this week.